that's what we've done before because typically like a couple months ago when he ran into the fire pit and he took that big old chunk out of his arm Mm -hmm. or his leg out of his leg and he had like you could like see into his like muscles and stuff it's pretty significant and I just you know glued it shut (laughs) right because it's a dog It'll be all right. <laughs> Spray it with a hose and then glue it shut. Yeah. Clean it out. Yeah, we cleaned it. I cleaned it daily and, you know, you just do what you can. But then that was like, yeah, it was like, I, I know we're going to have to go see the, the doctor. We're going to have to go see the vet. So we'll see. And he's been totally yeah, he normal seems. throughout all of it. He's he's never won, He's never been like... He's always, yeah, he's always been eating. He's, we've tried to keep Mabel from playing with him because we don't know, you know, like if it's contagious or whatever. I think Ace will be the dog that would like, because normally in my experience too, when, when dogs kind of take that turn and they're getting ready for the end, they stop eating. Yeah. I, I just feel like Ace, the last thing he'll do while conscious will be eating. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the the vet, when we went to see the the emergency vet, she said the same thing. She was like, when dogs get real sick, you know, they stop eating. They'll, they don't want their owners to know that they're sick, so they'll go hide or they'll go to, like, die alone or whatever. And I was like, well, that's not Ace. Because just last night, he, like, we were, like, forcing him off the couch because he's just trying to he's climb trying up to and get. sit in between us. And, like, he's burying his head in the cushions. And it's like, he's a giant baby. Yeah. So he's not doing that. But I feel like he'd be <clears throat> acting that same way and then just fall over dead. Yeah, probably. I feel like Ace is just that, that kind of dog. He's just going to keep trying to eat and snuggle until he's done. Yeah. It, you, he'll, you'll think he's dead, and then you just put a little piece of food up to his <laughs> nose, and he just takes a little <laughs> nibble, one last um, little nibble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he loved eating. I don't want to jump the eulogy, but <laughs> that's what I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye-bye. 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 <laughs> oh, God. All, All right. right. Hey. We're back. We had a, we're another here. week off, right? Uh, I don't take any weeks off. Right. You had a week off. I, I, that's right. I was on my grind. Right. And we got another review. Oh, yeah. A little innuendo. Right. A little innuendo up. that maybe there's confusion about what that <laughs> innuendo is. <laughs> or maybe not. Yeah. True. That's fine but with me. We appreciate it. Do you remember the Howard Stern movie? Private Parts? Private Parts. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the scene on there where the scene, I feel like I'm with the speaker. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Maybe that's what's going on. (laughs) Okay. There you go. All right. Okie (laughs) dokie. I realized I I backed myself into a corner of having to explain what that scene is, but we'll leave it at that. Yeah. People can look it up. That'll be easy to find. Yeah. I can't imagine any other clip 
that anyone would think to put on mm-hmm. line from that movie. All right. Um, Do you remember how disappointed everybody was at Howard Stern on 9-11? No. He was like the... I remember, you know, just nothing bad being said about Howard Stern. And then 9-11 happened, and he was like one of the people who was like, we need to bomb everybody oh, I, right yeah, now. That's right, yeah. We need to go mm. get on the war foot. I think he's since like apologized and mm-hmm. everything, but yeah, he was like all about just retaliation. Yeah. He's based out of New York, right? Uh I think so. I mean he was at one point. At one point, yeah. It'd be funny if he was I don't war know where he's at now. from Idaho. <laughs> it feels like, you know well, it, that's what all those radio guys do eventually. That's what right? I'm saying. Yeah. Like and and that's what I would do too. Like if I got famous enough, I would just quietly relocate from like a city to like just my own farmland and just jump on the mic for four hours a day and mm-hmm. whatever and then sit on my porch. Yeah. Uh anything happen? Any store? I feel like we're Strayed from our bread and butter. And our bread and butter is what roadkill did you see this week? Yeah. You know, what kind of like weird encounters have you had around your home? Um, well, we've been, you know, we've been traveling a lot. So you would think, I guess, you'd have more encounters. But yeah, I haven't really. Um, because we went up to Minneapolis and I just stayed in a hotel for like three days. I didn't go anywhere. I have, a, I mean, in bustling Minneapolis to not go anywhere. It's a shame. Yeah. Um, I'm one of those people that when I travel somewhere new, I'm excited, like top of the list. I'll sightsee. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I'll watch a movie. I don't know. Going out to the movies in a new place, well, that to me feels exciting. That was my plan initially on the night Julie was going out. No movie theaters in downtown Minneapolis. None? None. I would have had to take like an Uber or something like 20, 25 minutes away just to get to a theater, I think. Are and not, not doing that. Because I was even like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go see Barbarian again. There you go. And yeah, the day came. No movie theaters. At least not. I'm gonna. Yeah, in I'm gonna my check immediate that. vicinity. Listen, I will come to you for a lot <laughs> if I need to figure out like how to build a fire pit or install a ceiling fan. Uh-huh. Especially when I like Ace am potentially on my deathbed. <laughs> right. <laughs> because I know that you will like. You know, you you you'll look up. You'll figure out how to do it, and you'll. You'll figure it out. Yeah. When it comes to theaters, I feel like you have a weird blind spot and stuff like that. I feel like sometimes I've, in our past, it's been like, oh, yeah, let's go see a movie. And you're like, yeah, it's not playing yet. And I'll look, I'll be like, yeah, it is. (laughs) And you're like, oh, I I don't know. (laughs) Well, I did. What I did was you do your location, right? And then I do theaters. And it like zooms out and it gives me like, first of all, it gave me a bunch of like theater theaters go watch this dance troupe or something. It's like, I don't, I'm not going to that. 
But then I feel like the closest theater was probably like 10 miles away or something. And it's like, okay, well, I'm, I want something I can walk to, right? I'm down to walk somewhere a couple miles maybe, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to get an Uber for this or a whatever, you know? So, right, so Minneapolis, right? Uh-huh. We were on third street and something else. Where were you in relationship to Prospect Park? We were right in between all of the ballparks. Oh, wow. Okay, so like Falcon Heights? We're just right in the middle of downtown. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but other than that, it's just kind of like the standard airplane stuff, you know? You got to deal with d- idiots on the airplane, and that's kind of it. The hell is glimmer? <clears throat> okay. Yeah, I mean... Right? Well, it looks... Nothing that I could have walked to. It looks tough, but I have it up here. After the episode, I'll show it to you. Okay. We'll see where you are. All right. I had a work encounter. Okay. I I sent you a picture. There's a guy at work. Oh, right. Or a kid. Mm -hmm. Who chained their electric scooter (laughs) to a urinal. What? Yeah. In the bathroom. (laughs) And... I just texted you a picture of it, and I was just like, how much piss do you think is on this mm-hmm. thing? And All over it. All over it. And do people piss on it? I wouldn't say... I wouldn't say people... I wouldn't say people piss on it. I would say at least one person has gone out of their way to pee on it. Yeah. But I don't think it's a regular thing. But it for sure has incredible levels of pee all over it yeah and i don't under the other thing that i don't understand is i'll see a lot of people waiting for class Mm -hmm. and they'll sit on the floor right outside the bathrooms i'm like people every there's piss on the floor yeah like you know people are walking by and leaving piss tracks that's just stuff you don't care about though when you're young are there not bike racks there are (laughs) he just I think he also wants to charge it, and there's an outlet in there. Oh, okay, that makes sense. But I mean, does it really make? Well, sense? Well, I mean, it make yes. I mean, no, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, but you're right. Exactly. It makes sense of it makes sense as to why he's not just hooking it up to the bike rack. I think in the picture that I sent you, it looked like the chain was like in the urinal too. I would imagine that the battery, maybe not, is removable. I guess. I don't know. It seems like it should be. The battery should be removable. The other thing is, like, the charge has to hold. He's not coming from 20 miles away. Yeah. You know, I think he's just, like... You have to... If your plan involves hooking your thing up to a urinal, you need to have a better plan. Reevaluate. Yeah. Yeah, I saw a tweet where it's, like, one of the great things about being over 40 is the extra little piss you do in your pants after... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i was like i bet someone has done the extra little bit on it right you know what I mean? yeah i finished up there like yeah i know it's coming this turn just a little yeah. little, little out 
and keep yeah. moving. Um, so yeah, that's the uh scooter urinal mm-hmm. person. <clears throat> I did have a thought, um, or something I kind of wanted to maybe get your opinion on. Uh, capital punishment, mm-hmm. right? That's like the death penalty and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And why does it take so long? <laughs> it's one of those things where I can listen to somebody make like I remember. I'm remembering specifically. I think there was an episode of Criminal where they had somebody on. But I can listen to people talk very eloquently and convincingly about uh, abolishing abolishing the death penalty or any sort of capital punishment like that, right? And it makes sense to me. But then the as soon as like I'm outside of that and I hear about a crime or whatever, I'm just like, yeah, kill, c- kill that person. That person needs to die. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I had of a theory or I have an idea, I guess, along the lines of my ranking system <laughs> where I feel like plug them into the uh, <laughs> algorithm. Let's see if we're going to have it. capital punishment. I feel like the severity of the punishment should be, should correlate to how well off your life is when you commit the crime right so i I mean i need more so like like i i thought of this when julia was watching um is it called i can't remember what it's called the HBO, it's an HBO true crime series from Patton Oswalt's wife about oh, the yeah, Golden State Killer. Oh, yeah, in the dark. Right. In the, something, yeah. I'll be gone in the dark. Yeah. Something like that. And they find the guy, and he's just like some guy who's just terrorizing people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't have a particularly hard life or anything like that. He was just kind of like a regular guy who was raping and murdering people. And so I kind of feel like if you have if you're living in these like terrible conditions, it's not an excuse, right? But it's like in some senses I get it, right? Like that sort of poverty breeds crime, right? That I get. But it's like, if you've already got it made and you're living a comfortable life, like, what are you doing? Why are you messing with other people? So I kind of feel like, I guess the conclusion I came to is kind of like, like Bernie Madoff is another example, right? Mm -hmm. Just a super rich guy. And then Mm -hmm. he starts stealing everybody's money. So I feel like. It should be more severe. I feel like Bernie, I feel like the people who Bernie Madoff ripped off should at least be offered to, like, be able to, like, beat him to death. You know what I mean? If he's Mm -hmm. going to get the death penalty. Like, there has to be some sort of... And that also, I feel like, is a way to be like, yeah, don't do this to people. Because you won't just sit in jail forever. Right? And I know that that is, like, not a good way to think. 
I think it might be more indicative of like I'm time I'm ready to like take my break from true crime because it's kind of right. like all we've been watching for the past couple months. When your brain starts spitting out stuff like that, you know it's time to Yeah, but I I guess I've gotten to the point where it's just like why are we doing this to each other? You know what I mean? It's just so depressing. And it's also, I don't know if it's, another thought that I have is I don't know if it's like, I don't know if it's uniquely American, like some of these crimes or the prevalence of it, right? Or if it's, you know, you have these same stories in other countries. I'm just not aware of them because I don't live there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But there is an aspect of it that feels very um, American, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And I ha- I probably had an example of that. I should have written it down, but I didn't. But there's just maybe like an an exploitative nature to it. I don't know. But yeah, I kind of feel like I feel like the death penalty and capital punishment is one thing that I just kind of can really flip flop on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. I I totally get the arguments for like abolishing it and blah blah blah. And the the prison you know prison should be. Uh, you know, an actual place for rehabilitation and blah, 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 you know? It, it speaks to that same part of us where you want to see the person who cut you off in traffic get pulled over. Yeah. And when they get pulled over, you just feel that little bit of justification. Or even more so, like, I think we've talked about this before, but the idea of, like, um merging traffic the most efficient way of merging traffic is for both lines to be completely full right and then you kind of come together like a zipper Mm -hmm. but in reality what happens is is everyone gets into one lane and then you see some asshole drive by to the front of that lane and then move over And you're like what a jerk everyone else is back here getting in line you should be killed right and it's like this guy is an asshole but in reality that's what everybody should be doing because it's the more efficient way to handle it right um I feel like I could get you. What are you drinking? Dr. Pepper Zero. Oh. See if you if you had a, a like some Fireball, mm-hmm. I feel like in five minutes I could get you agreeing to like a purge, but it's limited to the people who've had violent crimes committed against their families, and yeah. then they're the ones who get right. to they get to chase people down. down. But then of course you run into what all this stuff is about, which is like, well, you know, wrongful convictions and blah 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 blah. You know, the but, whole thing is just such a mess. Yeah, but we would it would only be the rich people who've murdered who would then yes, be yeah, killed. for sure. I definitely, I, I definitely bored with the purge. I feel pretty good about the idea that richer people, rich should, people who commit crimes, should have harsher punishments, and I don't mean that in a financial sense. I mean that in a they should be victims. They should be turned into victims of their victims. <laughs> well, I remember being a kid and like, what's so funny is in Christianity, it's like Jesus was the harshest against rich people. Yeah. He's like, basically he's like, rich people, it's impossible for a rich person to get into heaven. Mm-hmm. And I loved all the people bending over backwards to justify rich people. Mm -hmm. And even as a kid, I remember just having like in the back of my head, just like, why do you care so much to like 
defend rich people. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. all the stuff that we're supposed to be like studying for hours every week is telling me like basically rich people are subhuman. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because the nature of what money represents, power, all of that comes with this just inherent greed, you yeah. know, that it, 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 divorces you, have, you from people. You have people. to exploit other people to get that much money. That's the only way. Yeah. And so as I get older, I do feel like it's impossible for, like, rich people to be truly empathetic mm-hmm. to, like, societal ills. Yeah. Which is also, you know shown again and again what was it so one thing that was funny with like disco elysium i want to talk about right that. Mm-hmm. but that also brought up crap what was it there was a actor mm-hmm. i'm not going to remember who it was but what they're part of but it kind of goes along with like Matt Damon pushing cryptocurrencies. Right. Like all these actors who are like pushing NFTs mm-hmm. or whatever else. And you just want to say like, you should be better than that. Like you really, with all your money yeah. and all your time and all your devotion to like art mm-hmm. and telling the truth or whatever else you want to say, yeah. you still like find time to be like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll Cut me a million bucks. I'll shill yeah. for your thing. Who was it? Larry David, right? Larry David did a whole thing for crypto. I don't know if it was Larry David. It was around the Super Bowl. And Spike he, Lee did. Spike Lee, Larry David. But there was somebody who was like made made a really, uh, something that I really liked that was kind of like heavy more like communist mm-hmm. socialist leaning and it's you know um message and then like the actor shows up on like you know Verizon yeah yeah and you're just like what are you doing right you know and how much empathy can you actually generate in all your wealth for like society yeah and in the end you just end up looking like Barton Fink. Mm-hmm. George Barton Fink? No, I've tried. You've tried? <laughs> but Barton Fink was telling stories for the people, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And you just end up like you're chasing your own tail, buddy. You just yeah. can't. Some people, some formats just aren't capable of generating what you need. Like, you, you know, that was the one quick tangent is... That's the problem that I have with a lot of like neorealist films that try to like show the reality of like the working class. Is it walking such a fine line? Because you you just get the sense in a lot of these films that like they have no idea what the working class is. Mm-hmm. This is all like an approximation from yeah. somebody who you know still had family ties enough to to foot them like $80,000 to make their first film, mm-hmm. you know? And then now they're like, oh, I just want to tell the story of like people working on the fringes, on the edges right. of society. And, the, and 
again, it, I'm not saying that can't be done, but I'm saying that a lot of, and especially like the like the neo-realists, the people who try to like, I'm I'm not going to make this cinematic. I want it to feel boring. I want it to feel like long. I want people to sit with this reality. And some of that stuff really flirts with like the, I don't, I didn't come to the movies for this. Yeah. I live this. Right. You know, I just had an encounter with that. It's funny you bring it up. When I watched War of the Worlds, I watched War of the Worlds on the airplane and I watched it and we brought this up on Saturday, right? And I think Chris was like, I remember thinking that movie was fine. Fine, yeah. And that's what I thought too when I first watched it. And that's why I wanted to watch it. I remember thinking when I first watched it, like, it starts off really strong. It's like half of a really good movie and then it kind of falls apart, right? Yeah. Anyways, Tom Cruise in War of the Worlds is a dock worker. But but he's also like a um he's like an all-star dock worker, right? Yes. He he's can, an like, all-star dock pallets. worker. He leaves the dock, right? He's he's operating a um a pallet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't even know what they're called. He's operating like one of the cranes that moves the can- the containers around. Leaves his boss is yelling at him. Leaves the dock, jumps in his vintage 1960s Mustang thing and starts flying through town. (laughs) He's got a leather jacket on. He shows up to his like two or three story house in New York City, in the middle of New York City. It's like, (laughs) what is this? And it's from 2005. But even then it's like, this is not, I, again, it's war of the worlds, right? It's not supposed to be any sort of commentary on, the working class or anything, but it's like, is this just like, is, how much of this is like contractually ob- obligated from Tom Cruise and how much of it is Steven Spielberg being so completely out of touch with like working class people that he doesn't know what that, right? He can just be like, oh yeah, vintage sports car, sure. Uh, nice house in New York City, yeah, no problem. A single guy dock worker, right? Like divorced, so he's paying some sort of child support. I would imagine. <laughs> like what? I feel like that is that to me feels more like Tom Cruise. Oh, like, for like, sure, right? Yeah, I feel like if Tom Cruise is in your movie, he's going to be like, "All right, I'll I'll provide my car. Don't worry about it." It's like, need the sports car, need my leather exa- jacket. Exactly. I have to be running. Exactly, and yeah. you're like, you're like Tom. Did you read the script? This is, <laughs> you, you play a drunk alcoholic, right? Who's you know also. I don't know if this stuck out to you if you remembered it. There's a scene where he's throwing, playing catch with Uh his son. Tom Cruise does not know how to throw a baseball. You know, it's funny that you say that. The first thing that came to my mind is like a weird throw. Yes, they do everything they can to like cover it up and not see it. But it is so weird looking when he throws a baseball. What if he just was one of those people who can't keep his tongue in his mouth when he throws? Tom, can you can you keep that tongue in? <laughs> yeah. But War of the Worlds, um, going back to my original thought of the movie, I would scale that back to being like first 15 minutes of the movie is like pure Spielberg, right? It gives you the exact feeling, even watching it on the airplane. I was like, this is, 
is what watching a movie as watching a Steven Spielberg as a kid movie. This is what it felt mm-hmm. like. Just totally magical, right? The way it's filmed and da 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 da. Yeah, the, when it's, the it's so great. And then it just slowly goes completely down. Well, it turns into Tim Robbins weirdo. In the yeah, house it gets really kinda, bad. Yeah. Uh, and the kid comes back at the end, and you're right. like, oh, mm-hmm. "Just kill the kid." And the kid is rough throughout the whole movie. Annoying. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I don't want everyone to be flying around shooting lasers at each other either. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. But what I am saying is like, do something. Move the camera. Knock it over accidentally in a shot and keep in your movie. <laughs> right. I'll take that over. Let's just live in this person's misery for mm. four days. Frownland. Yeah, I mean, I, I, think I, like, <laughs> I, I like Frownland more than you, but yeah, Frownland is just like. Frownland is two hours I, of pure misery. When I think about those people, they make me sweat. Like, they make me nervous. Yeah. I just can't imagine that life yeah but i still remember him eating popcorn happily choking on it watching an old movie and being like right but that's literally the first 30 seconds of the movie after that it's total misery yeah and i and i do want to say that i think the safty brothers do it well where i think yeah they tell a story that is exciting and interesting and then other movies that i've watched are just like no we don't want we don't want it to be that. We want it to feel like your work day. It's like, yeah, I think you're forgetting that I, I worked that work That is day. my work. I do this for 40 I hours a week. <laughs> a week. Um, so Disco Elysium. Yeah, so what happened with Disco Elysium? I only so heard the like vapors of my understanding, capitalist takeover. Exactly, and I think it's still rolling out, is that the investors got together and kind of pushed out the main talent of Disco Elysium, right. the people who built the world, who really fleshed it out, and then their only response was like, hey, there's a bigger team than those people, so shut up yeah, and take our sequel that we're going to give you. Yeah. And yeah, so basically a move by investors to make a decision on the creative side that's pretty much openly like, we view you as a threat, Mm-hmm. So you're out. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's what we get to do. And to me, it's such a fitting, like then people have been posting screenshots of the game and how, you know, characters in the game kind of anticipated this. Mm-hmm. And it's just so interesting how, like I mentioned last time we recorded, I think like I am a capitalist piglet mm-hmm. because I can't be anything else. I was, I was nurtured on the teats of mm-hmm. capitalism, and I like my comforts. Mm-hmm. And um, as much as I want the system to burn down, um, you want to be comfortable while it burns. I want I want to just nod sagely from inside my house as I mm. see the fire. The, the mushroom cloud, you know, yeah. envelop me. Uh, but, but you have these evidences all around of just like open, like ca- capitalism has like open season and people have 
you know, determined, like have called it like um, late stage capitalism, right? Mm. And it's just so crazy to watch time and time again people excuse the most obvious like overreaches and disgusting behavior and union busting, right? Mm -hmm. That people feel like they can be like for the working class and Mm anti-union and all the rhetoric that, that they'll say. And then capitalism just gets to like say like, Oh, you'll justify that. Okay. Take this, you know, like you'll, you'll take the, economic collapse of 08 09 mm-hmm. and we'll still keep our jobs okay right now take this oh the uh deep water horizon spill okay like now take this and right keep. and i feel like they've been emboldened because culture has gotten to a point where like we know what what's happening mm-hmm. you know you have to be willfully ignorant to not look around and be like yeah, this like anti-union stuff feels a little, a little like targeted towards like working people. Mm-hmm. All these like attacks on like teachers. When did they become the villains? Right. And just like yeah. this open season on now it's like um, on LGBTQ people, mm-hmm. right? Where now you can pretty much say like that's that's abnormal behavior mm-hmm. and shouldn't be in mainstream culture. And I feel like corporations are just seeing that as like green lights all over just to be like, Hey, we don't like you. We'll shut you up. We don't want you mention union. You're getting fired. Mm -hmm. And we don't worry about like any kind of blowback or, you know, the, the, the statement from Z A U M whoever to me really read like we're going to push out some slop to you in a year and you're going to like it. Yeah. So shut up. Like that's, that's truly the, the, the tenor of it. Oh, Mm. I took a screenshot. I didn't know this is right before I left. I don't know if this is true, but somebody posted it as if it was. And Z-A-U-M Studios Employment mm. Board. Right, for the micro transactions or Did whatever. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw it on the subreddit. Maximize and diversify revenue streams yeah. for full game. <laughs> Add-on and live services content for Disco Elysium 2. Yeah. What, what were some of the others? Contribute to storefront campaigns, promotions, offers to drive commercial success. I mean... Together with the management and publishing team, develop life cycle monetization strategies for the business. And some of that is like, yeah, corporate speak. But I mean, it truly just feels like, yeah, we're going to get into NFTs or we're going to microtransaction you to death or like, and what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, that, that too specifically is really bizarre because it seems almost like the uh, Netflix movie-making algorithm of buying a video game studio. You know what I mean? Because it feels like a group of investors were like, here's a game that made a lot of... Here's a game that made more money than what is, like, compensatory to the studio that built it, right? Like, 
the 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 amount of money it took to run the studio compared to the amount of money the game and attention it got is ex exponentially large. So we'll just go buy it and do another one. Probably 90% of the people that bought and love that game bought it and love it specifically because they hate you and people like you and how you run businesses. <laughs> and like that entire base who built the game up is not going to come back for that. Right. You know? <clears throat> so it seems really, just really disconnected. The other thing I could see is something like, this is going to be so inaccurate <laughs> because I have such a vague memory of it. But the situation with Toys R Us is out of business now, right? Uh, Yeah. The situation where there is a group of investors who bought Toys R Us, right? And then they made a bunch of just really boneheaded business decisions mm -hmm. and they ended up having to close it down. But then after all of that, it turns out what they did is they came in and they bought it and then they were able to unload all of their debt onto Toys R Us and then just like declare bankruptcy and close the thing and get rid of all of their debt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It seems like it could just be one of those things where it's like, yeah, we're just going to buy this so we can like clear the books on some other stuff we've done. <laughs> we don't really care about the, the game. Oh, totally. Um, yeah. And again, as consumers, yeah, what, what are you going to do? And on a bigger scale, it's the same thing where it's like, we're say, we're we're facing such existential problems. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do about it. I don't know what to do about climate change and yeah. rising sea mm -hmm. levels. Like all I can do is just go to Harris Teeter, right? Buy my groceries that I need for the week, and like keep cooking, and it. then complain about how much the grocery the groceries cost. There's yeah. nothing we can There's do about nothing. it. Though. It's it's too mm -hmm. big, you know. Yeah. And again, I feel like. It's amazing that companies see that as a green light and the people who have been, you know, brain brainwashed or, you know, have suckled for too long, mm -hmm. a teat of capitalism are so quick to then just like villainize you. Oh, you're, you're anti whatever mm -hmm. vice you with an iPhone. Right. Yeah. And it's like, you're, you're not making the point that you think you're making. Right. You know what I mean? That doesn't. That actually like explains it's a perfect picture of what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. What am I supposed to do? Well, and that to me, I've been thinking about the same stuff. And it is kind of the same part of the same question I have with the tr with the true crime stuff and the and the crime stuff is like how much of that is uniquely American and how much of it is just what we're dealing with as a species. You know what I mean? Like are people in Japan dealing with the same stuff? Is it just to a lesser degree? If you'd watch more foreign films, you weren't so scared of reading, <laughs> then you would have better answers to that question. Yeah, I guess so. Speaking of foreign movies. Right, Athena. Athena uh -huh. on Netflix. This is a new movie? Brand new this year. And it's French. French. Mm -hmm. And I watched it based on... One critic who loved it, and then some other critics who were 
did not love it. Mm-hmm. So I watched it, and I ended up loving it. But I also ended up completely misreading the ending. Oh, really? And I wanted to talk about that. Mm-hmm. So this is one movie that actually got me to engage people on social media. Oh, really? Like mm-hmm. on Twitter? On Letterboxd and okay. Twitter. Mm-hmm. Because I got to the end of the movie and then went and read all the negative stuff and just couldn't make sense of it. Mm -hmm. Just couldn't make sense of it. So the movie is about a riot in this suburb of Paris or whatever is place called Athena. Mm -hmm. And there has been a police killing of a boy and it's pigs in a blanket fry. Oh, the, the, the police. Okay. Oh. The police killed a boy. Is yeah. what you're saying. <laughs> I thought you were saying a police officer was killed or something. <laughs> so police killed a boy. Uh-huh. It, it wasn't the only one. It's, there's been a series of, you know, police killings and stuff. And this is finally the straw that breaks the camel's back. Mm-hmm. And there are three brothers of the killed boy. One of them works for the police. One of them is younger, kind of leading the riots. Not leading because they don't have clear structures, but he's one of the head kids. Mm -hmm. And then the third brother is a, like, drug dealer. Mm -hmm. And it kind of tracks all of these brothers as they're navigating this this riot. And it's tried to... It's not like... Completely one shot, but very long takes. Mm-hmm. So it felt to me a lot like Victoria, although that mm-hmm. was a one take movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. That and movie was German? Yes. Okay. And so this has that same feel. <clears throat> and I heard some people. So ba- basically, I'm just going to spoil the story for you. Sure. But um, basically, you watch as the brother who's in the police tries to de-escalate, tries to get his younger brother, like, to stop leading these riots. The police are saying that these were not police. These are people posing as police, mm-hmm. trying to instigate this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But the rioters don't believe it, obviously. Uh, do you... Does the viewer know the truth to that? The viewer does not. Okay. And things escalate. Um, One thing that I love is that the rioting scenes are not striving to be documentary feel. And this is actually the son of a very political filmmaker. Mm -hmm. I've watched a lot of his films, but his father tried to do more like realistic political films mm-hmm. and his son is doing like with this film i think he's kind of embracing like the atmosphere of the riots so something that the rioters use a lot of are like roman candles mm-hmm. shooting them at police yeah and i think that they would probably use things like that to shoot police but it also it just looks good on camera right mm-hmm. so when there's like a big riot scene, there's just Roman candles like going off everywhere. And again, I take that more as like cinematic language. Mm-hmm. Like, 
yeah, we could actually show them like throwing a garbage can or kicking a car or trying to flip it. Number one, that's much harder to stage when you're doing this whole right. film. Mm-hmm. And and again, it is like beautifully staged. But I can just imagine the version where people aren't just shooting Roman candles everywhere and you just have those awkward rioting videos, right? Yeah. It's like, I don't want to see. I can, I've can. i seen those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can go to YouTube and watch I that. I can go to YouTube. So show me like, yeah, a beautiful looking riot scene that mm-hmm. again, doesn't need to relate to reality. So the young younger brother now gets into his idea that they need to escalate this because the police are kind of reacting with violence against the rioters Mm -hmm. and they're starting to use like molotov cocktails it opens with them like throwing a molotov cocktail in a police briefing like and stealing a safe of guns that's how it opens right so they they want to escalate and they decide they need to kidnap uh, officer. They get an officer. The older brother who is in the police goes to rescue the officer because he doesn't want this, you know, getting out of hand. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. Things happen. The younger brother gets killed mm-hmm. by police mm-hmm. while the older brother's like hiding the cop trying to protect him. That sends the older brother, like, off the edge. And the police tell him the same story that they said before. Mm. Those weren't police. Mm. Those were rogue agents. Don't don't respond. And the older brother now is like, I will, I will like, kill people. Mm-hmm. I will bomb stuff. And he's, you know, getting serious about it, right? Film ends with kind of a, um, the older brother ends up dying. The rioters end up um, surrendering. Mm-hmm. And it ends with this row of people uh, throwing their police uniforms on a bonfire. Mm-hmm. And one of them has like a white nationalist tattoo. Mm-hmm. And... I heard people, so number one, I heard people or this one person on Twitter complain about the non-realistic rioting scenes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I was like, I don't, Yeah, I'm not with you on that right. for the reasons why I explained. And also completely like shit on the ending. Mm. And then I saw a few other places. I took the ending. So the police officer who's kidnapped eventually makes out, but he is like traumatized, Mm -hmm. absolutely traumatized by it. And I watch the ending. I get to the end and I think, oh, this is just like what I said before, where like, I feel like corporations are looking at the landscape and they're like, oh, we can just union bust. Yeah. No one's going to stop us. Mm -hmm. And all the major like news organizations are going to actually support us. You know, mm-hmm. and so we can now operate more freely. I took the ending as being like police being who are already white nationals, right? The the guy already had the tattoo. It's not like the tattoo is bleeding, right? So you know, he's throwing off his police uniform, exposing his white national tattoo, and now it's now it's on. 
They no longer need to play behind the rules mm-hmm. of a system that was built, right? The history of police is that they were started to recapture escaped slaves. Mm-hmm. Like that is the history of policing in America. Right. And you no longer have to hide behind a badge or shield or system that gives you cover of like, I'm not, I'm not racist, you know, mm-hmm. but, but you are now you can just be like, Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm racist. I don't even need the badge anymore. Like now there's enough support behind me because now people see what the rioters have done and, and who do we see? Right. Kyle Rittenhouse. Mm-hmm. You see like all these other people who are just bending over backwards to like support militias. Yeah. Like go out there and defend, defend Walgreens. Right. Go defend the sick go. Right. Yeah. So I took the ending as like a referendum on the whole system mm-hmm. and how like the police traumatize the people they're supposed to protect. Mm-hmm. They then get re-traumatized by their own actions, yeah. right? They in policing, in police operating in a racist system ends up oppressing the people which ends up escalating their jobs. Mm -hmm. And then you have all these people who are just like, yeah, police footage of someone hyperventilating because a a guy was speeding. Yeah. And they're like, right. I'm walking up on his, and meanwhile, the guy's like, yeah, what's going on? Yeah. You know? So you, you have this like cycle of trauma. That's how I took it. Apparently I misread it. Uh Apparently, it was intended to be that the police were correct. It was a militia <laughs> pretending to be police. Really? Like that's the, the official description? Or? I couldn't find the official description. Uh, okay. Because so, I looked for it. And I and again, it's a newer film. So I haven't yeah. seen like the director come on and say, looking back on it, I could see that reading like, Again, I'm bringing into it all that I told you. Right. That's almost like a like an M and like a Shyamalan level movie, right? Where it's just about the twist. Like there's no social commentary at all. It would just be about the social right? commentary would be, "Hey, we really are on the same side, guys." <laughs> yeah. Hey, everyone needs to deescalate because but what what got me too is like the film is so angry mm-hmm. up until that point. It's so just like frenetic the the movie moves it it doesn't stop like mm-hmm. the whole time you're with these people the camera's right up in people's faces there's long shots there's riots there's molotov cocktails and you feel like the writers are justified you know mm-hmm. and then to at the end be like oh this is maybe the manipulation of a small group of people pretending to be police that completely like that's stupid yeah that's actively dumb and again the problem with i think the left is that we apologize for the correct views Mm -hmm. the correct view is that like police should be rethought Mm -hmm. should be defunded and we should go to a more localized system blah 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 there's there are other ways of doing policing is all i want to say about that right Mm -hmm. we should be exploring it Mm -hmm. and then meanwhile you get this film where you're like (laughs) <laughs> yes yeah i'm pissed and this doesn't 
apologize. It doesn't give you that moment of like the green book. You know what I mean? Where there's like a remove of like, yeah, they're racist, but I mean, look at the sunset. Yeah. And so I'm like, get to the end. I'm like, yes. And then the ending, I was like, oh, maybe. But then I'm also like, it's the death of the author. Like, who cares what he intended? Right, yeah. I, I have enough that even with that view, I think my view still, it's not clear. Mm-hmm. Text doesn't come out the end and be like, yeah. And that's why you should listen to police, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. I wanted you to watch it so I could gauge your mm-hmm. reaction, especially to the ending. And so you could read some of these and be like, yeah. So I actually went back. So the first tweet I sent was before I rewatched it. And I was like, hey, took the riot scenes to be cinema and not striving to be documentary. The film isn't set up to be like a documentary, so Mm -hmm. it didn't bother me. And the ending I took is just like cycles of trauma then being played out on society. I saw the ending again through through their eyes. Would you delete your tweet? Oh, come on. I delete everything. 90% of the stuff I put on the internet. See, I was like, I will not delete this tweet. <laughs> not going to apologize. <laughs> so I came back. I was like, hey, rewatched it. Ending sucks. Uh, but I think my, my view still stands. Yeah. And somebody on my letterbox commented, and they were like, um. Yeah, I read your review. It was good, and I was like, "Yeah, th- thanks for reading it." I was like, "Yeah, I, ju- I don't understand these views on the ending," and they were just like, "Yeah, baby's mad at the ending," mm-hmm. and I had to like go back and be like, "Yeah, I don't think they're babies. I think <laughs> they might have. I, a point. I think they might. I think if they're not going in as kind of primed as I am, yeah, to kind of read it as like a systemic thing, then they would probably pick up on the more." like individual mm-hmm. story that was being played out and, and are probably accurately. So off. you don't know anything about the director at all? Is this his Roman first? Ger- no, he's made some other stuff, uh-huh. but this is by far, I think the most ambitious uh-huh. one. I haven't seen his other stuff. I've watched some of his dad's movies. He made a movie called Z um, uh-huh. with uh, Garcia Bernal. This is more of a practical question. The, the, um, Athena takes place in France, right? Do you think there are any movies that, do you think there are any foreign movies that take place in America and it's about Americans, but they're speaking like French? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that would be- like The Last Samurai, right? A movie that's about, Japanese history takes place in Japan, but everyone's speaking or the, the uh, hundreds of uh, world war two movies that that take place in German and all the people are speaking English. You know what I mean? Is there a reverse of that? Yeah. For like foreign countries. Um, that's a good question. And I would really like to explore it. (laughs) And I, I probably will in my own time. But you saying that just made me think of one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a movie made in 
early 2000s? 2005. Called Dear Wendy. Uh-huh. Um, and it was written by Lars von Trier. And a young boy in a nameless, timeless American town establishes a gang of youthful misfits united in their love of guns and their code of honor. And it is all about American gun culture. Like mm. it's explicitly a satire. Thomas Vinterberg directed it. And I actually like, I'm a, I'm a fan of Dear Wendy. Mm. It's a weird movie. But also, um, Lars von Trier admitted to never having visited the United States. <laughs> yeah. So it's all just like a, like a projection yeah. of like American towns. And it's so interesting to see it through that lens. Right. Because the town feels like a state, like it feels like a stage play. Yeah. And the only thing I can chalk that up to is like, yeah, this is still someone's idea of an American town. Um, and it makes it that much more interesting. Mm -hmm. Did I, Dear Wendy is one of those movies that like early on, I would have been like, Hey guys, Friday night, you know what we're doing? We're watching Dear Wendy. <laughs> Did I do that? Do you remember? Did I, force I don't watch think that? so. I haven't seen it. I know I've heard of it, but I definitely haven't seen it. So yeah, that's, um, that's my hot take on Athena. Okay. I'd still recommend that you watch it. Yeah, I'll get around to it. Um, we talked about capitalism, mm -hmm. schoolism. Mm -hmm. uh, the patient. The patient. Have you been watching that at all? Yeah. I'm Are enjoying you, you're it. You're all caught up? No. I'm not all caught up. Yeah. It's all right. Are you all caught up? Yeah. Is mm -hmm. the season over yet? Uh, no, I don't think so. There's six episodes out so far. Okay. And we've watched all six. Okay. I think I've I've watched four. Yeah. But like I told I told you before, or like I was talking about with the resort, it's I don't know, it doesn't do anything for I me. I like the it, resort. It's perfectly fine. And because it's the episodes are twenty minutes long, I can just sit down and watch it. I was gonna say that's the one thing about the patient and one reason why I why I'm not fully caught up. Mm-hmm. To me, it's actually one of the shows that I want to binge. Mm -hmm. In one episode, not enough happens yeah. for me. Like, I get to the end of it, I'm like, yeah, and and what? Mm -hmm. So I find them best to be watched, like, back-to-back. -back. So maybe I'll wait for two. I was thinking about doing, like, what our friend Chris does and just wait for the whole season and then watch it. Yeah. Watch it all. But, um, but yeah, I think it's, I think they have a good tone. It's not overly, like, dark and dour, mm. even as it deals with, like, very dark subject matter. I think it's a weird, they're doing it, but it's a weird balancing act. Yeah. Yeah, there's some stuff about it, like, the character's love of country music. Mm -hmm. that I just don't. He's a foodie? I just don't get. Like, the country music thing seems like such a weird He's been to all thing to throw his, in to all his concerts. He goes, he just that's just the fact that he listens to modern country music is weird to me. I thought it was weird that like in in one of the episodes, 
Steve Carell is like, you know what I want you to do? I want you to go to one of these concerts. And I want to be like, does he know how concerts work? <laughs> the guy he's talking about is like a national star. It's not like he's playing at this city yeah. every weekend. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. And like, can't just be like, oh, yeah, go see him. Go, yeah. Oh, you like the Rolling Stones? I want you, you know what? I want you to go see Rolling Stones this weekend. Right. <laughs> what are you talking about? That was the one thing where I was like, why, why do you see yeah. Do not know how concerts work. So that was weird. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see where they go. I think it's a good premise. Haven't seen it before. And I really like The Americans, which was yeah, the show these guys did before. Okay. Um, anything? Do we have anything to look forward to? Any new TV shows? I mean, I feel like, isn't this what we, isn't this the, the idea of the podcast? kind of be a little bit of everything and to not get hyper-focused on a TV show. Or, sure. You know what I mean? Keep yeah, I hear you. But, I mean, with that being said, I've been wa- I'm up to my ears in true crime. Okay? I can't take it anymore. It's all we watch. So, I have a few books. Well, no, 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 no. I can't do any more books either because... I have a few. Because this thing, I've, I've gotten... I'm, I'm worn out. I've worn myself out. I can on know. Two? I can not too, man. I've been listening and reading so many books the past couple months, and now I've like hit a wall, and I'm trying to get through uh, under the banner of heaven, and I'm like five or six hours into that, but I'm just, uh, but I'm, but unlike the all the five or six other books I've read in the past couple months. I'm like having to force myself to listen to it. I'm pissed. You know what we forgot to talk about? The Jacob Geller video. Oh, yeah. We can talk about that. We still have time. Um, I mean, that's going to be all you because I don't know what the takeaway from the video is. It's just about sea monsters. Is it not? <laughs> the, Did I miss something? Yes. You, you missed the... Uh, the underlying I did want to play Iron Lung. Je ne sais quoi. I did look into Iron Lung and also in other waters or in other worlds. Mm -hmm. That was one I forgot about. And I know that that's more text-based, but that's on Switch. I was looking for a good Switch game to play. So one thing, I'm with you. One thing that I want to do is I want to commit to one thing. See it through, right? Number one, I think I'm doing that with the Factory series. Right. I am interested in like a video game. I would really like to start and finish, start to finish, play a video game straight through. Mm-hmm. Stay focused on it. There's a ton of stuff with the Steam Deck that Indy and I, for my birthday, I got a gift card, a Steam gift card. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how far that can go on Steam. Yeah. And so there's just like, I'm inundated. I don't know where to go. But I would maybe like to, maybe the Iron Lung, like, you know, let, let me know. Maybe we could. Oh, I can't play it. It's only on it's PC. On PC. But I mean, it's super low, right? Like you could play on your laptop, right? No, it's a uh, laptop's a Mac. You, It's only on PC. Oh. So the, so Jacob Geller put out a video called Afraid of Deep. Something but, uh, underwater monsters. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Goo goo ga ga underwater <laughs> monsters. 
But uh, fear of big things underwater. I wasn't too far off. Fear okay? of big things underwater. So yeah, one thing that I'll say is like Jacob Geller and there's a few other people that I'll kind of stop in on. He's one of the few people I've subscribed to. Their videos are kind of like my ideal of like academia. Mm. When I think about, you know, cause I went through the master's degree and all this stuff and seeing people operate in academia, especially in the fields that I was kind of going in, which is kind of like not really academia. Mm-hmm. It's a sham. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A lot of it is trying to find a take, trying to find an angle and you get people who just, if you can talk about something, you've, you've been like, that's their goal. Yeah. So, you know, it, it becomes like the parody. Uh, Indy and I just watched through community, but in that, you know, they have like whole community college class on like analyzing who's the boss and who's mm-hmm. the boss. Mm-hmm. And it does have that feel at times like academia of just like, Hey, I found this niche and I can make it sound smart. <laughs> right. <laughs> so here I go. Yeah. And Jacob Geller, I find to be much more focused on the application and the practical uses mm-hmm. of the, the, the topics that he's discussing. So they don't get lost in like masturbatory academia. They are more um, like th- th- there's a, there's a tangible nature to the things that he talks about for me. Mm-hmm. So he'll talk about history. He'll reference a lot of books, um, a lot of quotes. And you can tell that he's processed a lot about what he's talking about. I do have, and I know, I think it's a YouTube thing. Like there is the idea of like naming your video, something banal like that. Right. As like a way to wink at the, nature of what you're talking about. Mm. I, I don't tend to like that. But this one hit on a lot of the obsessions that I've had. And one of my biggest takeaways is the is this desire for mystery, right? To be ex- to exist in the world. And I am one of those people that like I have been disillusioned by a lot in my life. Yeah. But I will go kicking and screaming for people who want to just tell me that, like, the whole universe is just a math problem. Mm -hmm. And we can solve it. You know what I mean? That everything can be discoverable and measured. I just don't like that. You know what I Uh, mean? And it's just like, I just want to be like a baby about it and be like, nah, you don't know everything. Uh And in this, you know, Jacob Geller talks about, like, Number one, some of the deep sea creatures that no one believed existed until they believed they existed. Right. And some of the research on things that people just may not have had the right words to describe what they saw. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we still don't have an understanding. But one of the biggest things that I took from it is the, uh, and I watched that short, that short uh, film, but the... Um, the drowned giant. Oh, the drowned giant, yeah. And you have these experiences in in life or in the world where it really is something magical that you can explain away. Or that the mon- mundanity, mon- 
mm-hmm. of life mm-hmm. just doesn't allow you to accept or, you know, we have these reports now of like UFOs exist. What are they? We don't know. But like now, right, uh, Congress has declassified a lot of video and and um, I, I hesitate to say proof, but, you know, videos of uh, UFOs. Mm-hmm. And those are the UFOs. Exactly. And we have experiences in our own life that are kind of odd. Like when we were all on vacation together and we found a poopy boot print in the middle of the floor. To me, that is, you know, that is the perfect example to me because maybe some people affix a certain mystery to that there's no mystery in that to me of whose footprint that was i know exactly whose it was and everybody knows exactly whose it was it was the person who was not at this table right who was on painkillers and couldn't remember what they were doing now how did they get through the whole hallway carpeted hallway without leaving other poopy boot prints and it was only at the end of the hallway Again, well, you know, this is also where we maybe diverge. I don't need those answers. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. You would be I, one I know of the what the ultimate answer is. I don't need all the little you would be one of the people who sees the drowned giant, you fall into his belly button <laughs> and roll around in there and then you'd go home. Uh-huh. And then you'd just be like, Yeah. If I wasn't able to be there, I can't imagine what that story of the drowned giant would sound like listening to you tell me. Yeah, it's just a big guy. I mean, what's the other, what is the only other explanation that somebody broke into our cabin, stepped in a pile of dog poop, and then left? Nope. Somebody, alien in nature, <laughs> right. who broke into the cabin, saw an opportunity. To just confuse a bunch to of confuse a bunch Americans. of American idiots, uh-huh. and perfectly took. Also, what's funnier than poop? In the whole universe, that's universal language. Uh-huh. They took a boot, and they put a print right in the middle of this hallway, not pointing to any specific room. It was equidistant. From like every single room, you couldn't tell. It wasn't like okay. the print was this person going into their room. It was like somebody standing in the middle of the hallway mm-hmm. looking at all the all the doors. I don't remember all those details. All I know is I know who did it and I know who didn't do it. I know that that person brought their shoes and made everybody look at the bottom of their shoes. I don't remember that either. Didn't have poop. You clean it off. You don't leave poop on your shoes. See, you would be the person who's just like, Justin, there's a drowned giant in Minneapolis that you saw no, that see, washed up. Okay, and you'd be see, like, this is the difference, too. Yeah, was, I mean, this is the difference, guy. too. There is there is a mystery to a giant, giant washing up on shore, right? There is no mystery to someone waking up in the middle of the night, not aware of what they're doing. Stepping in poop and then being like, oh, crap, I don't want to get this on the rest of the carpet, so I'll just hop on one foot 
and clean my shoe off and go back to bed. And then not clean up that that yeah. hallway. And then deny it vociferously the next day. Listen. Again, all, what's all the other explanation? So the other explanation is. It's not aliens. There's things in the deep. Justin, there are things in the mm-hmm. deep. Don't know all the things in the deep. We don't know everything in outer space. Just let a little mystery in. Yeah. You know? I guess. And I love the fact of like, you know, the um, the hurricane, typhoon, I guess, over there that hit. I forget where he said. No, the tsunami. Oh, from the video. Yeah, where it uncovered. Oh, like right. It dries out the lakes. City. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. And you see these people. The one ominous thing that I wish Jacob Geller would have expounded on, mm-hmm. he's like, and we have video proof of what they saw. And he says something like, at great cost. And like on one of the videos, you see this like the tsunami coming in. I'm mm-hmm. like, did these people die? <laughs> Who filmed this footage? Is yeah. that what you're saying? Like, but yeah, you you're like living your life, walking around, and underneath you is this ancient civilization that's still like that's still there, mm-hmm. just underwater. And again, to me, as he got to the end, I also agree with the more like blunt point. We don't do well with. Our imaginations are wasted on us as humans. Mm-hmm. We don't do well with hypotheticals, thinking through the implications of things. We're reactionary by nature. Yeah. So, you know what's going to happen? Like, a lot of what we have right now will be underwater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the next, like, hundred years. Right. And then those people are just going to have to react to being underwater. Like, not them underwater, but... <laughs> those places being underwater and and again it goes to like you look at the the damage on like fort myers or even after hurricane katrina which i was around that area at that time like a lot of those places are no longer inhabitable mm-hmm. and people didn't go back so like where did they go they went inland they went other places if more of these storms happen and take away coastline where hundreds of thousands of people live where are those hundreds of thousands of people going to go relocate? And then all this talk of like, we can't let illegal immigrants in, take our jobs. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like, yeah, we can't let these Fort Myers people into our, <laughs> our right. backyards. We, we don't have yeah. the infrastructure. Like, where are they going to live? Yeah. You know, where are they going to work? So as those things compound and people are pushed more inland, like, we don't do well anticipating that so the other point of the video that i took is like that failure of imagination will also have implications as we just continually deal with the realities of our changing climate without really anticipating it Mm -hmm. just gonna just keep making those adjustments keep moving inland until you know something else happens that that makes us stop or until we die Right, yeah. that's it's kind of the nature of being human, I guess. So yeah, it was it was a really great video. I loved it. I I love all the research he puts into it. Got me excited about some of the books they mentioned. Mm-hmm. 
the song at the end. We don't need to talk. <laughs> uh, people involved in that. <laughs> they're trying their perfectly best. Perfectly good intentions. <laughs> sure. The, the one thing I will say is be very suspicious of songs that just wholly co-opt like an old poem. Mm-hmm. I was going to start singing like the Robert Frost poem. Mm-hmm. Two roads diverged in the wood. Right. Can you imagine like what, what music could you put to that, to make that, <laughs> to make that work? It's inherently <laughs> silly. Don't do it. Well, I've got the end of a YouTube video for you to watch. How am I going to watch it? Genius. On YouTube? Oh, I thought you were going to like do it here. No. Live. Turn to a reaction video. <laughs> you know, speaking of reaction videos, I will say it's so crazy to me. I so now they're doing the um Steam Next Fest, like indie mm-hmm. games, mm-hmm. bunch of demos. So Indy and I were looking at some videos, trailers, downloading some demos. And uh now on YouTube I get recommended all these game videos, right? Mm-hmm. But like a lot of them with like six hundred thousand views, it's just somebody being like the box art on the new Dead Space game sucks. <laughs> and you realize, like, oh, they just like to generate content. Yeah. Or like, to, like that's the goal. Right. And you can literally just shit on anything. Yeah. And just get 600,000 views of people being like, well, I actually like it. I think it's good. I think it, yeah, you're right. It does suck. <laughs> and then also, like, we don't even buy games physically anymore. Yeah. Like, what are you talking right. about? The Who box cares art. About the box art. Yeah. Like, where are you going to see that box art ever? Yeah. Um, did you watch the trailer for the Dead Space remake? Mm-hmm. Are you going to play it? Mm, probably not. I mean, if it's on Game Pass, I might give it a shot. But I've already played Dead Space. I'm, pr- I'm probably more likely to play... Um, Callisto Protocol or whatever it's that called. That comes out. Did they delay it again? I don't know. I think it comes out this month. Oh, does it really? Yeah, it I comes realize out it's real, that soon. Real soon. Um, yeah, I'm gonna look it up real quick. All right, do you have anything? No. <laughs> I go type in Callisto. I get C-A-L, and the first thing that pops up is California serial killer. <laughs> I want to be like, is there, is there, like, what's going on? Right. Is that happening right now? Why would that pop up? Something tells me this is not the game. It is the game. It's their website, and I bet it's impossible to find the, um, the release date. Like, when did websites become the worst place to go to? December 2nd, 2022. In the game pass. Oh, is it? 